Welcome to Perth Symphony's Music on the Move, a podcast for you, our audience and followers, to learn more about the concerts you're about to experience or the things we get up to. I'm Borby Webster, CEO and founder of Perth Symphony Orchestra. Music on the Move is a way to meet our musicians, gain insight into our concerts and catch gossip from behind the scenes, all aimed at giving you a much greater insight into the world of our incredible orchestra. Remember, you can join the conversation throughout any concert or at any time, sharing thoughts and photos to Instagram, Facebook and Twitter using at Perth Symphony or hashtag Perth Symphony. And keep up to date with all Perth Symphony's activities at perthsymphony.com. To ensure you never miss a note, please subscribe to Perth Symphony Orchestra wherever you're listening from. And why not rate us and review us while you're there? Welcome to Perth Symphony's Music on the Move. So I was going to say, Silas, today, but I actually mean tonight because, um, or this morning, this is probably one of the most strange podcasts I've ever done. I'm here talking to Silas Height. I'm in Western Australia. And Silas, you're in LA. Yeah. Other side of the world. What time is it with you? Uh, 7 a.m. 7 a.m. and I'm here at 10 p.m. So we've got the incredible composer Silas Hyatt chatting with us today. We're going to be talking all things food and lots of other amazing things as well. But um, Silas, we often kick off our podcasts by asking our guests, how does music fit into your everyday life? Well, that's an awesome question. Normally, I'm you know very fortunate and I, I have a lot of music projects going on and I usually wake up and start writing music pretty early in the day when I'm creative, but today's a little bit of a different time. Our, as you know, like our country is being racked with the fallout of deeply embedded racism and police brutality, and our leader offers no real leadership and only makes things worse when he opens his mouth. Add to that the global pandemic that doesn't appear to be under any sort of control, at least in this country, and uh, it's all really overwhelming. Honestly, it's pretty hard to uh, to be creative or stay in our normal routine. Uh, our city's on lockdown here in Los Angeles, not only because of the pandemic, but because of riots. So, I, you know, I'm not, not trying to uh, make this a political thing or anything, but I think it's important to pause and just acknowledge what's happening. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. <clears throat> and it isn't business as usual. The world has not no. been business as usual. 2020 is turning out to be a really challenging, um, critical year, I think. Yeah, it's really it's very difficult to talk about. I mean, I can feel myself getting worked up a bit. It's uh, it's very difficult. But, you know, I know that's not why our podcast listeners are here. Those aren't the topics we're here to discuss, which is probably good because I'm not an expert in any of those things. Um, well, we are the lucky ones, Silas. We have music. And, you know, right now I feel that music is the one thing. You know, people have been tuning in online and watching, you know, amazing people collaborate all across the world with music projects and, you know, amazing things start to happen. And, you know, that's the touch point where we can all come together and see what we have in common rather than what we have different. So, yeah. you know, we're lucky that music does fit into our life. So thank yeah. goodness we have that. Let's uh, let's just be grateful today. We have the luxury to just talk about music for a little while, I suppose. Absolutely, absolutely. 
Silas, I, I would love you to share because, you know, why is it that Bobby Webster from Perth Symphony Orchestra in Western Australia is here at 10 o'clock at night in the middle of Perth winter heading into your LA summer? Um, why am I talking to an esteemed Emmy award-winning composer in LA? And it's all because I saw your name on the credits at the end of watching a television show when I was in the US a couple of years ago. Do you want to just recount the story of how we connected from your perspective? Yeah, sure. I love the story. It was amazing. So uh, you contacted me out of the blue and said, hi, I'm, you know, and introduced yourself and who you were with the Perth Symphony Orchestra and said, I'm here on vacation, actually. And I just heard your music in Chef's Table. And I believe it was the uh, N Naka episode from season one, where I wrote the Food Symphony, which is a section of the TV show that's um, it's sort of the culmination of the show. And so this particular piece that I wrote was just blazing strings, you know, um, boiling and roiling for about four minutes straight, just tons of energy. And you love the piece. And so you contacted me and said, can I come, you know, do you want to talk about it or whatever? And I invited you over to my studio and uh, you came over and uh, yeah, we had a lovely conversation and I played you some music. And so we've been in touch since then. Uh, it was, uh, you know, and I have to say, I love the way you sort of talk about the music, you know, as sizzling, Silas, because, you know, concurrently with this podcast, we're currently doing an online sort of campaign to connect people and get people talking over music, about music. And we're running a podcast, not a podcast a playlist called Music 4. And this particular playlist that we're building at the moment is Music for Pasta. And the idea came around, you know, because in lockdown, everyone's cooking at home because you can't eat out. And, you know, the weird thing is that generally people just sort of play anything, but music can really impact how you feel about something and perceive something. And I certainly pick music really carefully, not only to cook to, but also, you know, at my dinner parties. And, um, you know, obviously your connection from scoring Chef's Table, which is the most remarkable television series that I did have the opportunity to see, but your music just lifted the food off the table. I mean, it was just (laughs) remarkable. That's what struck me watching this show. I mean, obviously I'm a musician, but I couldn't watch the show independent of that soundtrack. And, you know, what you'd done was just remarkable. So Silas, you obviously have a passion for food too, because you, you've seemed to have scored quite a number of culinary things for television. Is that right? Yeah. Um, quite a few of, of chef's table episodes and chef's table pastry, and then, uh, street food Asia, which is, a sort of a spinoff of street of uh, chef's table, except that it's, um, shorter and it's in the streets um and dealing with like you know street vendors um which is also kind of amazing and then uh one of my first films i ever worked on i co-scored a few scenes with my uncle mark mothersbaugh on cloudy with a chance of meatballs which is a really popular (laughs) um, fabulous name yeah so um which was also a great kids book i don't know if you ever came across that but it's a really good I have I have <laughs> absolutely I mean who cannot remember that title Cloudy yeah. with them a chance of meatballs I mean yeah. just fabulous can just for the listeners Silas and you know I had the bliss of sitting in a studio with you in LA and 
picking your brains and finding out all this stuff. But when you're asked to score a television series, exactly what happens? Do they ring you and say, we've got half an hour and we're talking about Japanese food and we need X number of minutes of music. And can you please make it sound like sushi, sashimi and rice? I mean, like, what is the kind of brief that you actually get to be able to have a clue as to what to write? Well, um, usually they'll send me some footage, you know, some rough footage, a rough edit of the show. So it's not finished yet, but it's loosely in the form that it will be. Or maybe even just a few scenes that they feel are sort of done and will give me an idea of the tone of the show. Um, and then, you know, in, in the case of Chef's Table, they knew that they wanted everything to be very elegant. And, you know, the, the, um, the way it's filmed is just incredibly gorgeous. The visuals are so important. And um, if you've never seen the show, it's not like a it's not like a reality show or something. It's a very beautifully filmed documentary. And um, so they wanted the music to sort of be able to match that. And they knew that they were interested in classical music as an opening. And and they wanted to license, you know, some pieces of existing classical music like performances by orchestras to put in the score as well. And so they wanted the score that I would write or the other composers to, to sort of tie that together. And so, you know, it was always a discussion of sort of a classical-based thing, and they said, um, yes, we'll give you a budget to hire real players, and, you know, we want it to be as beautiful and sumptuous as as the food photography, I think, was basically the conversation, which was easy to do. When you have visuals that great, you're sort of elevated to match it with the music. How wonderful. So you are, you are seeing something on a screen. They will send you something. They will You will yeah. see the chef who and the food on the table that you are scoring. So you really, I mean, that that really explains to me because I was like, gosh, it was so vivid. Your, your food symphony and what a great name for a piece. And, you know, as you know, Silas, I am dying to play that piece of music live in concert. <laughs> yeah. <let's do> <laughs> I've, I've just got to find a chef that can possibly make the food that you can lift <laughs> off the table with, <laughs> with your yeah. beautiful music. Well, so you know, I did I did score one um, one episode that was set in Australia. Although I know it's not not that close to Perth, but uh, in Melbourne there's a place called Attica, a restaurant called Attica, and I scored the episode with Ben Shuri, the chef there. Um, although I you know I don't know that that's that much that's close enough to do anything, but that was a great episode as well. But um, you know you br- fabulous you, you brought up the piece of music that's in the Anaka episode, that food symphony. Uh, interestingly, that was the only composed food symphony that I know of, at least in the first season. Um, most of the time, their plan was to just license, a, you know, an existing orchestral recording for that section where everything comes together in this big montage, you know, kind of way. And the episode sort of wraps up. But at the last minute that um, whatever piece of music they had planned for that episode, for that section, they couldn't get it. And so they said, hey, can you uh, write? Just this, you know, sort of really epic, wow. um, yep. full yep. of energy piece for this section. And, 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 you know, I think it was like four and a half minutes or something, which is quite long in, in score, especially for a television show. And especially for a section where there's not really much dialogue at all. It's like almost just music. And at first I was thinking, oh, oh, you know, I've got, what, four, maybe four or five string players at my disposal, which is not really the same as a full orchestra <laughs> uh, in terms of power. But then I thought, yep. you know what it is? It depends on how you mic it. It depends on how you write it. And what a cool challenge as a composer to get to do, especially with no dialogue over it. That never happens. That's like a 
you know, film TV composers dream is a whole section of just your music with live players and no one talking. I was like, Brilliant. this is amazing. So I, uh, I was thrilled by it and hopefully that, you know, came through in the music. Well, do you know, it's interesting. You've just reminded me of a conversation that I had yesterday, um, having a beautiful barbecue lunch with some friends. And it's so obvious when someone has loved creating something because you can see it, taste it, smell it. Um, you know, if a chef is loving cooking, and this is why I think you should be listening to hugely wonderful, inspiring, fun, deep, rich, emotional music as you cook, because that does reflect, you can taste it in the flavors and, you know, textures and everything. And I'm sure it's the same when you're actually sort of scoring, you know, the, the, the finished product, if you've had joy mm -hmm. in writing it, then, you know, and I, I think that's why that piece, it just, you know, really, really stayed with me after watching that episode and meant I sat watching the credits, which very few people tend to do at the end of a television <laughs> show <laughs> and wanted yes. to get in touch. But this is, I mean, when I want to come on to some of the other things you do to sure. Silas because, um, but just quickly, obviously, you know, our current playlist, what we do is basically create a playlist of things that Perth Symphony think match cooking pasta brilliantly. And then we ask all our listeners and followers and patrons to add what they listen to. So we get a real idea of all the various musics and things that people absolutely love. Um, and that playlist grows and grows. Now we've included more of your works on that playlist from an album that you've made. I'd love you just to chat a little bit about this album and the inspiration for it. Sure. Uh, it's called Sounds for a Dinner Party. And the inspiration was actually my wife, Lisa. She, um, you know, we noticed that people were really responding to my chef's table scores and um, the music I'd written for these shows. Um, but the thing is that the music is actually not on Spotify. It's on my SoundCloud page if you, you know, find it through there. Um, and people were constantly reaching out like, can, can I buy this music? Uh, you know, how do we get it? And I'm sorry, it's not for sale. Um, but my wife, you know, she said, people really enjoy, or I really enjoy putting this on while I cook. I know other people enjoy putting it on while they're, while they're cooking. Maybe you should make an album that's, you know, that's like inspired by this kind of thing and, uh, and give it to people as a more intentional way to uh, think about music while they're dining, while they're cooking, this sort of thing. And, you know, I thought about it and I was like, gosh, she's right. So I sort of took the semi-classical approach to the scores and then weaved in more of my personality which is a little bit more let's say fun or approachable side of classical music so there's very like friendly melodies that will stick in your head and that are you know it's very approachable and i play mandolin and accordion and percussion and some i do some whistling even on it and sort of bring these other fun elements to it and and uh the the, even the album itself is sort of meant to complement the dining experience. So the first track is called Petit Apertif, and it's like a sweet little short track to just sort of pull you in and warm you up. And then all the, and then after that, the tracks, there's a lot of um, instruments trading melodies back and forth, sort of having conversations like you would at a dinner table, you know, at a dinner party. And then towards the end of the record, when the meal's slowing down a little bit, everyone's getting full, the wine's settling in, you know, that sort of thing. The music sort of slows a bit to mirror that and, um, and sort of, yeah, it's a mirror of the experience. 
It's a true soundtrack to a dinner party. And, you know, I love that on the cover of the album, and I'll just let everyone know that you, you sent me a copy on vinyl, which I love. And there's this beautiful picture of you kind of reaching out with this huge glass of fabulous red wine that you can almost <laughs> smell the nose of the, you know, the, 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 the wine warming through, and it makes you want to listen. So, you know, please to those people thinking, gosh, I wonder what, what he's written. It's absolutely worth um looking up Silas and, um, you know, pop to his SoundCloud and track him down and see if you can purchase one of these brilliant albums for your next dinner party. Because other than the music being fabulous, it will make your food taste better. And <laughs> you'll have a great story to tell as to how you came across the soundtrack. So that's even better. Um, Silas, you know, the one thing that is on the album is brilliant musicianship. You've clearly got access to some fabulous musicians and mm -hmm. i cannot believe in your resume just how many things you play um truly a gifted musician i mean how, how many instruments do you actually play can you actually number oh. them uh boy not off the top of my head the thing is um it, once you start getting into percussion so i started as a drummer and then through just picked up instruments as i went along um but then in college studied percussion and once you get into that that family in and of itself you know is like I don't know, hundreds maybe of instruments. Um, and I'm not going to say I'm a virtuoso on any one instrument, but I play, you know, fairly well on a lot of stuff. Um, I guess I could put it this way. I routinely record myself playing drums, all manner of percussion, lots of different types of e um, keyboards from organs to pianos to accordion. Um, and I play a lot of stringed instruments as well. Guitar is, I'm fairly decent at guitar and uh, mandolin and bass. Um, but you know, I don't Just play incredible. any. I don't play any brass. I don't play um, strings in terms of like violin, viola, those those sorts of strings, or at least not yet. <laughs> well, maybe one of these days. Not yet. <laughs> there's time. There's time. And look, you know, you obviously do um, have access to incredible talent in LA. I mean, like, do you do you find it a very exciting, play, creative place to be? I always think of Hollywood as, you know, and LA and as being the home of film and television and creativity. And the LA Phil is a magnificent orchestra, mm -hmm. um, you know, particularly when it comes to scoring films and television. I mean, do you, do you find it a buzz living in LA or is it actually yeah. super challenging and really tough and competitive? Like, how would you describe it? Well, I would say both. Yeah, it's incredibly competitive. I mean, the the my field is overflowing with talented people in terms of composers. So it, it's definitely tough. But I do also find that sort of competitiveness, um, you know, it, it drives me like I hear what other people are creating and it's inspiring. It's, you know, incredible stuff. They're coming up with new ways to do what we do all the time and how to use music and so I like that part and I, I do thrive on the energy here and certainly the high level of musicianship uh, is is part of the allure of living here I mean the players on that record are also the players that I've used on you know many many TV shows and films and they're just they're top quality I mean they're the best they're the best in the business in this town and so I would have to think you know <laughs> that they're world-class, you know, they're, they're pretty great and fun Absolutely. to work with. At this point I've, I've picked like, okay, you're my favorite, you know, solo violinist. You're my favorite, you know, upright bass player, so on and so forth. And so I've developed relationships with these people as well. And so I know what, what I like to write for them. And I know somewhat how they're going to interpret, going to interpret it. Um, and I think those are kind of important to know as well. 
How wonderful. I mean, gosh, to be those musicians as well, to be able to work with someone like you, Silas, who is literally writing for them. You know, there is nothing, I, as a viola player, I absolutely love it when someone gets me into a studio or says, oh, you know, I know your sound, so I kind of wrote this down in your C string because I know that's a beautiful part of your instrument and it's super exciting from the musician's point of view too. Silas, your your music hasn't just been used in film and television. I was reading, you know, through a ridiculous number of accolades and other incredible things, but you have a lot of music which seems to be playing in other incredible artistic institutions. What, what is that? What form is that taking? Oh, um, yeah. So I do have an interesting sort of one foot in the art world as well, a little bit. And uh, when I went to college, I actually studied music and art and business, all three. And um, so I've always kind of been really interested in art. And even in my family, like my my uncles, Bob and Mark Mothersba, are <clears throat> founding members of Devo, which is very much a music slash art project. And so that's always sort of been in my brain from when I was a little kid. You know, it's something I really relate to and had a model to aspire toward in terms of incorporating both and not thinking of them as two separate things. Um, And so I've been lucky enough to sort of like work with some famous artists and get my music into these um, museums and institutions that you're talking about. Like, for example, I scored a film for a brilliant painter. It's a documentary about a brilliant painter named Robert Williams. And it, he founded Juxtapose magazine, which is one of the foremost art magazines. And uh, he's known as the godfather of lowbrow art culture. And if you were to look up Robert Williams' paintings, you'd probably recognize them. I mean, at this point, he's been copied by everybody. And his, <laughs> you know, he's been around for a long time. Anyway, but uh, that film went and toured around the country playing in like, you know, the the New York Museum of Modern Art, the LA Museum of Modern Art, like all, you know, the top, top museums. Wow. And so yeah. I got to go to those screenings with him and be part of that experience, which was fantastic. And then I have a good friend named John Hershend, who is an artist and a director and a writer. And he's pulled me into a ton of projects that we've collaborated on together. Um, for example, he was in the Whitney, he was selected for the Whitney Biennial, which is a big deal over here. The, um, the Whitney is a museum in New York, a fine art museum. And to be selected to that as like, you know, sort of a lifetime achievement type thing. And um, Absolutely. he said, Hey, I want to do this, this video. Um, and I want to do like a slideshow presentation and I want you to score it. I want it to be like a dance party. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So, um, you know, I did that and we've done several different projects that have ended up in, you know, amazing amazing Incredible. artistic institutions and then the other the other place that's not really an artistic institution but uh, you know was quite an honor was the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland Ohio um we did this project that was the for the Cleveland Triennial of the Arts which is this huge huge art uh triennial in, held in northeast ohio and my family my mother's side of the family is from that area so it's kind of near and dear to me and he knew that and he said, let's write a theme song for this area. Let's work with the local musicians and local people to get the lyrics and stuff. So we wrote a theme song. We traveled to Ohio several times recording musicians there and studios there, shooting a music video with like a full wow. marching band, dance troupe, uh, all this stuff. And then it, it culminated with um, us performing the song at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I got to lead a band through performance, which was like mind blowing. And they gave us an exhibit for a few months of our music okay. video. 
Yeah. Incredible. You know, I mean, there's a theme here, Silas, that your music is evocative, like whether it's trying to get a sense of taste or a sense of smell or a visual connection. Like, I'm loving that, you know, clearly people are drawn towards you because your music can enhance what they're doing. You're sort of adding a different dimension to, to yeah. their field, whether it's cooking it's or painting so. or whatever it might be. I mean, how absolutely fantastic. I mean, you know, to be the go-to person to say, I am your, you know, fifth dimension, (laughs) your third (laughs) dimension, your, you know, that extra bit that's really going to bring that to life. So, I mean, I'm fascinated. What what music do you listen to when you're, when you're cooking? Like, oh, when I'm cooking, um, I usually, I usually, it depends if it's a very hard recipe, I need something less distracting. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, maybe a little more relaxing, like a a classical music, but something that's a little more laid back and not too, not too crazy. But normally, if I'm in the kitchen, it's the end of the. it's usually dinner, and it's the end of the day, and I'm done working. And so I'm like feeling good. And I want something energetic. So I might listen to like, bluegrass, or I might listen to, you know, something poppy and and fun, like, I don't know, some hip hop or some 90s hip hop or something, you know what I mean? Um, I'm really all over the place. It, it just depends Fabulous. on my mood. Yeah. See, you're very like Perth Symphony, Silas, that you smash the perception that all classical musicians just listen to classical music, that actually um, our tastes can be pretty eclectic and wild. And just like any man on the street, we, we listen to a whole range of stuff depending on our mood, but classical is a, a special place for doing certain things at certain times. So, yeah. And look, on the other side, so that's obviously music you listen to, you know, when you're cooking and all the rest of it. But what food do you eat when you're composing? Oh, wow. Well, I'm composing. I'm in my studio, so I try not to bring too much food in there. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want coffee spilled on the mixing desk or the exactly. computer. <laughs> yeah, it's probably mostly coffee. But, um, you know. No, I was just going to say the one thing I was always told about recording studios is that people, you know, you have, like in the old days, you would have a coffee boy who would make you a coffee at 10 in the morning and at 10 p.m. It would still sort of be there with congealed around the sides and you'd still be <laughs> sipping on the same cold coffee, you know, 12 hours later. So I, I wondered perhaps if you were you were that kind of studio person. No, so I'm very lucky. So um, I built a studio um, where we live, like onto our onto our house because – Nobody wants to drive anywhere in Los Angeles, including all my clients. So I don't, I mean, it is insanely rare for a director to actually want to come over to the studios. We just, you know, we just email files to everybody at this point. So my studio is built onto my house and it's lovely. You know, I've got a nice tracking room. I've got a nice control room. But the best part is like I can actually have a little bit of home work balance because my kitchen isn't far away. So um, my wife also works from home. And so we have we were able to cook and eat fairly healthy, which I think is important when we we both work insane hours, like just a lot of hours. And so it's important to keep up with some healthy food to keep you going and keep you nourished. And honestly, I don't actually work past like 5 p.m., hardly ever unless there's an insane deadline or something. I I get up very early and work, but I try and sort of keep normal hours and keep the nighttime for like, you know, hanging out with my wife and social things and um, just to keep a little bit of Yeah, that doesn't always to- work, but <laughs> you, I was going to say, and you've just totally smashed everyone's idea of some dude in the studio with greasy burgers and you know the cold coffee and all the rest of it. So well done, you, Silas. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Look, just I mean, you know, we we we've got to wrap things up fairly soon. I'm dying to know, like, what is the piece you're most proud of? Like, what is the scoring or the series, or is there a piece of music that you've written that you know you haven't yet 
had played in concert, but you've written it and you, you know, I mean, is there a piece in this incredible catalogue of things that you've done that you're like, I am so proud of that. And why is that? Well, honestly, um, that track that you were um, drawn to from the Anaka episode, it was called No More Doubt. And um, I actually broke it up into two pieces on SoundCloud. It's No More Doubt Part 2 is sort of where it kicks in to overdrive. I'm incredibly proud of that. I would love to have that performed. I'm also writing some pieces for live performance for, um, you know, for orchestra specifically, not for film and television that I'm hoping to get performed. But a lot of the tracks on uh, Sounds for a Dinner Party also... um, you know, those were just written for me to fulfill this musical idea that I had. And so I was able to do whatever I wanted with them. And I'm very proud of those. Um, Old World Flavor, which is the first track on side B, is sort of this Eastern European, um, I don't know, kind of a mysterious, sneaky, fun track that uh, is incredibly cool. And, uh, you know, if, I don't know if I'm allowed to say, or can I tell them that we're working on something with that or... <laughs> Oh my God, you, you can absolutely say that, 100%. Okay, so um, working with Perth Symphony Orchestra to hopefully bring you a recording of this soon. It's going to be, you know, with some COVID restrictions, so it's going to be sort of a video thing with musicians in different places, and uh, we'll see how that works. I think it's going to be interesting to see it interpreted in this way. We couldn't be more excited, Silas. Me too, seriously. me too. <laughs> And our musicians too. So yeah, we will we will keep dropping tidbits of you know how this is actually going to to land. But uh, we we are super excited. Now we've got to wrap things up, Silas. But we always close the podcast asking you know what piece of music should everyone listen to at some point in their lives? It could be an album, it could be a composer. But is there something you just say that you know what everyone's lives would be better if they could just listen to this? What is it? Wow. You know, I've been, I knew you were going to ask me this question and every day my answer has changed about (laughs) eight eight times throughout the course of the day. So I'm just going to go with the the last thing I thought of this morning. And um, there's an album by a band called Calexico and the album is called The Black Light. And The Black Light perfectly captures the sound of the American Southwest to me in a modern way, in a way that doesn't sound like a, you know, a Western film uh, like a you know something trite or expected. I think it's a beautiful, gorgeous soundtrack with wonderfully written songs that are completely evocative of a place and perhaps a time too. It reminds me of going to college in Tucson, Arizona, at the University of Arizona, and seeing this band and hearing them play live. And they would incorporate a mariachi band, and it's just this wonderful blending of the sounds and cultures that are happening there in this little piece of the world. So I highly recommend that. Oh, that's wonderful. And Silas, you've given us lots of things to look at from listening to, you know, whether it's looking up artists or looking up galleries or looking up television series and listening to your music or buying an album. So, you know, there's so much stuff that we can go away. Well, look, I thank you so much, Silas, for getting up at 7 a.m. in L.A. in in such a really challenging time for you over there. I know that you were saying that, you know, curfew is now happening at 5 p.m. just to keep everyone safe. But I really hope that um, the world can just show a little bit more kindness and just she says very naively because there's a reason it's happening but let's just hope that you know music for the rest of us can keep a little perspective for us and a bit of hope and a bit of joy and um, I sincerely wish you know you to keep safe and healthy over there Silas and we can't wait to work with you 
Likewise, thank you. I'm thrilled to be on here. It was it was such a joy when you first contacted me out of the blue, and I'm glad we've stayed in touch and that we we're able to do this today. Thank you so much. Thanks, Silas. And finally, a massive thanks to our foundation partner, AHG, and sustainability partners, Mindaroo Foundation and Tim Roberts Giving, whose support helps the orchestra do what we do every day. Thanks for listening to Perth Symphony Orchestra's Music on the Move. Thank you.